Hi, Adrian. Thanks for joining us on Builders Voices, and it's uh, great to have you here. Yeah. Morning, James. Uh, delighted to be here. Um, first off, why did you leave uh, David Wilson? Uh, it's obviously part of Barrett's and uh, and found Swan in 2009, I believe it was. Yeah, I mean, at the time, obviously, um, the, the business changed hands um, when Barrett Developments acquired uh, David Wilson. I've been with that company for a long period of time and um, I just felt it was time for a change. Um, it was a kind of different regime. And um, even though David Wilson was a large, large PLC, um, that kind of family ethos and work ethic um, seemed to sort of slightly slip away. So it kind of gave me an opportunity to kind of reevaluate things. And then a good friend yeah. of mine, uh, one Saturday afternoon at the football, um, said, look, you know, have you thought about giving it a go yourself? I hadn't really. Um, but then the more I looked into it, I thought, well, do you know what? In for a penny, in for a pound, we'll, uh, we'll give it a go. And it kind of really kicked off from there. So you had quite a bit of experience under your belt, so confidence to go out there on your own, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I was quite fortunate in a sense that um, I'd, I'd built up a really good base of contacts over, so I'd say, 20 years with that particular company mm. and gained a lot of respect. So it was quite almost a simple transition to to go from working for a large organisation to then looking at um, starting at uh, at the very bottom of the SME uh, sector with uh, with your first your first development and so what um was the main kind of house that you were focusing on then and 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 has that changed and what you're doing now and customers i mean the first one was 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 basically a, a single building plot in south leicestershire um mm -hmm. and it's kind of similar to what we do now in terms of size and scale so that was a five bedroom detached property and um, the second couple of schemes were were smaller, starter home sites and um, a, a small um, development of, uh, again, small family homes. Um, and it's just kind of that theme's repeated itself um, as we've gone through uh, the course of the last uh, 10 or so years. Right. So you're not sort of wedded to sort of high end, um, slightly more, you know, not the affordable homes end of things. No, no. I mean, we 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 we, we don't um, sort of go into that particular market. But but in terms of high end, I mean, the spec for our properties remains the same whether it's a one bedroomed apartment or it's a six bedroom, four thousand square foot house. That's kind of our USP. That right. We, we we try and put as many bells and whistles in, whether it's a starter home or a luxury executive home. So there's no differential. A bit like uh, ten year blind, as they're always saying in social housing. Yeah. Right. Indeed. Interesting, yeah. So, um, how do you go about finding sites? I mean, it's the that's the big question, isn't it? And, and acquisition and is is that the big, big, biggest challenge? It's difficult. Um, mm. I, I mean, for, for for many of us, it's it's all about geography, knowing the area, your patch that you're working in, and I think that's kind of a strategic decision that we took in terms of looking for land. That you know, we we've operated far and wide, um, but we've kind of reined that in so that we only look at sites within sort of a 10 or 12 mile radius of Nottingham itself. Right. So a lot of it can be just door knocking through land agents or, really? or on the open market. It's, it's, it's a mixture of all three, really. So there's not a kind of prescribed route. It's kind of looking at all of those options all of the time, is it? Or, or, all you, the time. or you very, so you, or you, you, yeah. 
Are you very very picky, or do, do you kind of? Yeah, very that... picky. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, incredibly. I mean, I'd say for me, it's all it's all about location, and mm-hmm. um, I, I've I've certainly found over the last few years that there are enough opportunities on your doorstep for good quality locations, and whether that's small units or big units, mm-hmm. um, it's all relative. So um, so yes, I am a bit selective, um, but I think that's kind of how it works for us. Yes, because. Although demand is high, you're not necessarily going to sell through everything unless it's in the right spot. Is that is that broadly right? Completely correct. You know, we, we, yeah. you know we're, we're looking at locations of schools, shops, um, major transport links, employment zones. Um, you know, we, we, we want to be building nice homes in nice places. Yeah. And so what do you love most about building homes? Maybe love is a strong word, but... Uh... Uh, no, it's not. I, I, I think it's a really, really good word in terms of. I, I, I think house builders um, are quite privileged in a sense that what we leave behind, you know, we're custodians of the built environment. So it's really important that what we create is something that can stand the test of time. And I think for me, it's all about looking at the end products and has it actually delivered what we set out to do from the very beginning? Has it created a sense of place? Has it created a sense of positive environment? You know, has it ticked every box in terms of the end user, the client being able to treat that and enjoy it as a home, not just a house? So for me, it's all about the, the journey from start to finish and, and, and have we achieved what we set out to do. I, I love that. And I think anyone that is involved in construction or building, to see that end product, no matter what it is, is just a real, real buzz. It's a real sense of achievement. So um, mm. I, I absolutely adore it. I love it. To yeah. Um, I mean, that really comes across because, you know, it's not perhaps something uh, average lay person would assume that, you know, you genuinely enjoy the entire journey and you see yourselves as custodians, as you say, for future buildings, which are possibly there for a hundred years, aren't they? Well, this is it. And we we can all be extremely critical about um, developers and house builders about what they produce. I mean, there's certainly elements of the media that are quite happy to slate what product is put out there. I think having sat on the side of working for a large PLC for two decades and now having over a decade of doing it myself, um, you can see both sides of that particular coin. And I think Mm. they've all got their place. But for for us personally, it's 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 all about ensuring that we we, we deliver what we say we're going to deliver. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I've, if I've got to walk past it or I've got to drive past it, I've got to feel that that it's as it's, it's as welcoming for me to want to live there as it yeah. is the person that's purchased it. And I think that's absolutely paramount. Right. Um, so, what do you hate about it, David? <laughs> Anything? <laughs> well, I mean, we could be here all day. Um, no, there's, 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 <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I always think hate's a very strong word. I say, what do I dislike? Yeah. Um, probably. Oh, sorry, I called you David things. then. I mean, Adrian. I think we're thinking of David Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> David Wilson. No, no, it's absolutely fine. Um, I, I think wherever we get um, people, and that can either be clients or contractors, that that sort of overpromise and underdeliver, I think that's always a frustration. Um, mm. But but to kind of negate that, you know, we built up a very good core of. Um, of solid suppliers and solid subcontractors that we work with for a period of time. But, but that is always a frustration. Yeah. Um, 
I, I hate poor timekeeping. Um, it, it's uh, it's not something that I'm I'm, I'm quite uh, happy about when we've uh, we're trying to get things done on time on site. Are you a zero um, a zero tolerance timekeeper? <laughs> well, I used to be terrible at timekeeping myself, so I mean, I'm, oh right, I'm to sort of be a complete. I've tried to be a complete convert, so that um, like now I'm, I'm I'm all about making sure that we get things done yeah. on time. So we're having a meeting; it's, it's, it needs to happen on time. Um, what time? What time do you said thing, to start on site? I mean, is it kind of eight in uh, the well, morning? Site, site starts between half seven and eight o'clock. Um, yes. my, my, my day starts be, before that and finishes a lot lot later than that most days well um but, but but i mean kind of other sort of dislikes i suppose the biggest frustration for us is planning you know it's um it, it's the catalyst to, to, to what we're all looking to do and um I, I find that and i've voiced it many many times that it's a huge huge frustration for me personally our business mm. and the industry as a whole so that's probably my biggest bugbear in terms of slowness and other uh, slowness hurdles. And, and you know the amount of red tape and bureaucracy that goes with it and accountability you know we uh, we, we 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 struggle yeah. um as an industry to be able to hold certain authorities to account when a lot of it is all time critical and yeah. you know we we're, we're not we're not some big organization that's got a huge balance sheet that can uh, hold things forever and a day yeah. It's it's all about getting things um, things actioned on time, and, and and planning plays a huge part in that. Yeah, sadly, we haven't got time to go into the whole minutiae of whether green belt is actually uh, green, etc. <laughs> <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah, mm. but also planning authorities, just to be devil's advocate, are horribly under resourced at the moment. Uh, no, they're mass- they are massively yeah. under resourced, yeah. and I think we, we we've all tried to in the past look at ways to to assist and help that through increased planning fees yeah um but but that just just doesn't seem to have, uh, have even scratched the surface so we know they've got resourcing issues um but likewise so many other industries and they all seem to still seem to be able to carry on and and function relatively normally um yeah, exactly you have but, to, ben- you have you know, to we, benchmark we, yeah you 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 do you do indeed. So um, yeah, it's. Um, I know they've got their issues, um, but but ultimately, you know, they are the ones that dictate how things move forward. And um, you know, something really needs to change on that uh, yeah. in the coming uh, months and years. Right. Yeah. Sooner rather than later. Very much so. So, um, part L has happened, and is it causing you any major headaches, just in the broadest sense? In, in the short term, no, is the honest answer, because the schemes okay. that we were on when it started pre, uh, pre um, the new regs. But right. our next scheme is, 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 is going to be um, well and truly in those. And, um, you know, having spoken to different architects, um, building control officers, I think they're all trying to get to grips with the changes that have come in, um, because it's still relatively new. Um, I think there will be a few bumps along the road, and I don't doubt that there'll be more amendments and changes to come um, in the short to midterm to to make it, mm. I suppose, workable for everybody connected with it. Um, but but as it stands in the short term, no, we we we're probably like many out there that are still dealing with the previous regs, but but understand that it is coming down the track and coming down the track fast. Yeah, and are you looking at PVs on most of your properties? Do you think? 
We're, we're looking at kind of all sorts of renewable technologies. I mean, we, we are taking the approach that, you know, we're, we're looking at fabric first and what can we do to okay. to make the actual general structure as as efficient and as, as compliant as we possibly can. Yeah. And there are people out there, developers that have managed to do that. Um, it's not all about just sticking a bit of technology on to hope that it's going to do the job. Yeah. So we're kind of reviewing it all and say our next scheme is, is all about trying to make it as sustainable as, as as humanly possible okay so whether that's pvs air source heat pumps battery storage we've even contemplated having a small solar farm on this particular scheme so it actually feeds the whole site um so wow. there's a number of things in the melting pot and are you in sourcing all of that or are you working with loads of external consultants on all those new um it's factors? it's it's all being sort of dealt with through external consultants and external um, suppliers and contractors. So we're all having a kind of meeting of minds, really, to look at what can possibly give us the best outcome, more so for future-proofing the site. I think that's that's absolutely critical because, okay. you know, we all know that the end user is the one that's going to have to um, deal with it um, yes. for, for perpetuity. Maintaining heat pumps is a whole new ball game, et cetera. And, and it's a whole new mindset in terms of how they operate and, and mm. what they do and how they achieve um, you know, the heating in the home. And it's a huge education process for, for, for clients. I mean, we have done them on a couple of schemes previously okay. um, a few years ago. Um, it's not something we're not um, uh, alien to, but it is definitely an education process, um, mm. just as much for the developer as it is for the client. Sure. Um, so having uh, launched your own firm, any words of wisdom for other um new or you know uh potentially new smes in this in this sector which is a difficult one obviously it, it is a huge and challenging sector yeah. um i think patience is definitely something you need um because nothing happens overnight so right. take your time is is one of the uh the the, the biggest things that i would uh, I'd set out from day one um manage your own expectations um yep. there are going to be a huge amount of hurdles to overcome whether that's through obtaining land we spoke about planning development finance um the local area you're going to be building in dealing with neighbors you know there's there's, there's a whole host of things so it's, it's it's really sort of doing plenty of homework to understand what you're getting yourself into um and be realistic you know, d don't think this is something that, you know, in the space of 12 months, you're going to turn something around and become a multimillionaire because that's not really how that's going to pan out. Yes. You know, we've seen over the last the last three years what a worldwide pandemic can do to not only the construction industry, but to many industries. Mm. And, you know, no one was expecting that, but, but it's something we've all had to get around. And there are other hurdles as well. So, you know, I think yeah, the three key things is 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 patience, you know, education, and 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 be realistic, you know. Right. But also, talk to other developers, you know, okay. people that have done it for several years. You know, don't be frightened to go and ask. I mean, we, we we've had two or three guys um, that have spoken to me personally about how we've got going and 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 and, and where to approach. Um, to buy land or, or to or to secure finance. Really? And um, you know, it's um it's nice to be able to point them in the right direction. And um I think that's key. You know, don't don't be frightened to ask questions because there's plenty of people that will help. Even um, in your even in your local your local patch, people 
people yeah, yeah, share yeah. trade I mean, trade be, secrets. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's um, it's it's all about just trying to, I suppose, put people on the the right path because you know it's um, it's not easy. It's incredibly difficult. But as I say, you know, the re- the reward um, for getting it right is 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 is, is positive. So you yeah. know, just. Um, I, I wouldn't put anybody off. I think there's not enough smaller developers out there, but but it is tough to get onto that ladder. Um, but I think once you do, is keep going. That would be my uh, my message. And just uh, buckle up for turbulence, basically. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. there's there's there's, there's a, it's, it is it is a bumpy road, and um, I think anyone that has um, has gotten into house developing or kind of any form of developing. Will say that um, you know it's um, it's it's it, it can be extremely challenging. Um, so uh, be prepared for that. Mm. And so, um, last question: You're a member of the Federation of Master Builders, and what tangible benefits do you get from that? Um, you know, customers aware of uh, the badge? Yeah, no, I. That they are, and I, I think the the biggest tangible benefit you get is credibility. Um, the FMB has has stood head and shoulders um, across the sector, well, since the since the mid forties. I think nineteen forty six was it when it was uh, established. So you know, right. it's it's it set its stall out from day one that it's all about providing quality. And, um, you know, that, that badge really does mean something. I mean, we were incredibly proud. Uh, and uh, I certainly was personally when we, when we became members because it's not just a badge. Um, you know, you, you, you have to meet the standards that they're looking to expect to, to, to be a member. Um, so I, I think it's, it's hugely beneficial to us uh, and to everybody else that, that, that um, is, is a member. And I would I would happily recommend it to to anybody um, that was thinking about um, wanting to join some form of trade federation. And we've known it with a couple of our own trades. You know, we've got Britland contractors and joining contractors that have become new members over the last few years. And um, you know, they've seen benefits as well by um, increased workloads, but also the the support network that's there in terms of educational um, literature. Um, there's you know, the team on the end of the phone, if you've got any questions, whether that's about insurance, contracts, um, it offers a really broad spectrum of support. And um, as I say, the, the network that it has across the country um, is is just a huge plus. You can draw on all sorts of experiences. And, you know, I've been fortunate that I've been sort of part of the Home Builders Group for quite a considerable period of time. And that's made, you know, huge inroads with government, in terms of legislation change and to be also part of that, which a lot of members don't quite realize sometimes um, it's been extremely rewarding. Fantastic. I, I just double checked and I think it was founded in 1941. So you were, you were close, but it's, a little even, bit it's, even, it's even longer, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it is. And so, you know, it's, um, it's got some real history and I, yeah. I, 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 I think, it, as I say, it's it's all about credibility for me, and I, and I think that badge carries an awful lot. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Adrian, for your time and um, for joining us on Builders Voices. No, it's been an absolute pleasure, James, and um, you know, look forward to hearing the next one. <laughs>